0: Welcome to the Joyfulness broadcast. To this episode with Kyle. Kyle, thank you for being here with me. You want to introduce thank a bit you. about yourself?
1: Yeah, sure, absolutely. So my name's Kyle. I'm the owner of Heal Connect Thrive. I'm a certified emotion code practitioner, and I guess my life and my mission really, at this point, it's finally culminated to this has been dedicated to understanding energy and i guess making the world a better place one person at a time
0: okay well we could go into the energy one i think that would be a fun topic um yeah absolutely yeah how 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 is life viewed from the energy perspective Mm, interesting
1: yeah powerful i guess probably i think um it's something that a lot of people are really just only discovering now So we predominantly are physically focused and a lot of our life is really focused around the physical and even our sciences, I guess, teach us to deconstruct things in almost a mechanical manner of the, you know, the whole is the sum of its parts. But when you go into the energy world and you really just look into everything that's energy and understand that everything in our reality actually comes from and is created from energy. It just opens up a whole nother world, just a whole nother world of understanding, a whole nother dimension of just looking at things. And I think it's, it comes out to be really powerful when we understand that everything is energy, everything is potential energy, and that the world around us, not just the physical world, but, you know, the layers that we can't see, the things that we can't perceive are all responding to us and our intention of it.
0: Mm. Cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> well, what about in terms of a practical? So, you know, you hear about like the world is energy, but in terms of experientially, what does that actually mean? And how can, how can like listeners tap into that, for example, just to experience it for themselves, you know?
1: Yeah. So if I look at just, you know, everything that I've learned as part of being an emotion code practitioner, we would really just be, the easiest way to explain or have someone look at energy is just to understand the dynamic of of your emotions, right? Every emotion has a particular feeling, has a particular vibration or a frequency. And each of those emotions elicits a different response from us in our physical reality. So if you think of something like love, joy, peace, they're all really light, high vibration emotions that feel incredible. You know, when we feel them, we feel joyful. We just want to jump for joy, run around, do handstands, you know, obviously, depending on how, how uh, supple our body is, I definitely can't just do cartwheels or <laughs> anything like I used to, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, when we feel those emotions, it's just so uplifting. And it's it brings about really just such a positive attitude within us. You know, we see life with a very different lens when, when we're feeling those things. And then if you compare it to the other end of the spectrum of emotions that are lower in vibration they elicit a very different response you know they're very contractile in the way that they work when we feel them we kind of want to close down things seem a lot harder heavier slower and Mm. both of these have a purpose right they really are just indicators of of where we are in relation to where we want to be but understanding our emotions and really feeling through them i think is a very powerful thing for people to do because we're built with an emotional compass per se. And that compass really shows us where we are on our journey and where we're going and whether the energy that we're giving off at that point in time is actually aligned to where we really want to be or the person we really want to become. And so practically for any person, really, you could just start to understand and learn a little bit more about energy just by feeling, feeling, how do you feel now? How did you feel, you know, in your happiest moment, how did you feel in your saddest moment? And then just, I guess, closing your eyes, taking a couple of deep breaths and really just tuning into the body and going, how do I respond to this? And when I respond to this, what are the thoughts that come into my mind? You know, what are the sensations that run through my body? And yeah, just start there. That's a really good place to start to explore and feel.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I really like that. Like making it more practical, you know, cause we, it's, Get down from the conceptual layer and actually go into like experience senses and to talk about that language that people can understand experiential language rather than conceptual because everyone's going to have their own different concepts of vibes vibrations vibrations for Mm. me is like vibes I think that's a really good experiential way yeah like intuitively senses good vibes and bad vibes bad vibes
1: yeah absolutely. And I think, you know, we, unfortunately, we, we don't always listen to that intuition and it can Mm. have some hard lessons in itself. But that is, that's something that's incredibly powerful is paying attention to those vibes, you know, looking at your life. And when you step into a situation, what's the vibe like? What do you feel? What does it give off? What does your intuition say? And then that's your own take on those things. And, you know, the perception and the filter, or the lens that everybody steps into everything with is really unique to them. Mm. so i might step into a situation where the vibes feel great to me and you might step into a situation where the vibes don't feel great and the difference between that vibe feeling great or not feeling great is really just what our our filter is you know if we're if we're biased energetically to look for good things to look for good feeling stuff and this is where gratitude comes in gratitude is such an incredible practice because when you look around you in the world and you you find the things in your life to be grateful for, you shift your energy, you shift your bias, your lens, your focus, and then you step into a new situation and you land up seeing the things in that situation that actually elicit that same response. Hmm. Similarly, if you looked on the other end of the spectrum and you were looking for things to be unhappy about things to be, you know, sad about or things that you don't enjoy in your life, you'll find more, right? We kind of get what we, we get what we think about whether we want it or not. Mm. And, um, you know, that, that's something that's definitely really powerful to do is, is gratitude. I think that's it's one of the most understated but super important practices because it is just so incredibly powerful. And in everybody's life, you know, I could show you a person who lives just a stock standard life who's absolutely incredibly joyful. And I could show you another person who lives that same life who's miserable. And then similarly, I could show you someone who lives a stock standard life and who's reaching for more because they're unhappy, which can also be a good thing, you know? So yeah, experience is really subjective, isn't it?
0: (laughs) That's all we got out of that one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A
1: bit of a long riff
0: there, but no, that was a good riff. That was a good riff. Yeah. In terms of gratitude. And I think we all have at some point in our lives, like an idea of how, how our lives could be or should be and then really personally experientially wise i'm happiest when i'm just with everything as it is without any uh expectations or really worrying worrying or even planning about the future just kind of letting things happen spontaneously even planning just like allowing plans to spontaneously arise <laughs> you know? yes Yeah,
1: absolutely. Mm. And you know, there's so many great teachers who talk about presence and Eckhart Tolle's one of those. And you know, if you listen to any of his teachings, what he really talks about is the fact that the only moment that exists is the present,
0: Mm. and
1: any state of worry or disconnect is only when we step outside of the present. You know, he had, I remember listening to the power of now and one of the quotes that stuck for me the most, which was just so powerful was, if you are really truly present in this moment, What is missing? And the truth is nothing. This moment right here, right now, if we really cement ourselves in it's perfect. When we start looking beyond that moment and we think about tomorrow or next week or the tasks we've got to get done or what happened in our past. Yeah. Then we can find things to be unhappy about. But right now in this moment, everything is absolutely as it should be. And that's so powerful.
0: Mm, I think the dog shows that really well. So we have (sighs) our conceptual framework and like, I mean, you can, it's their mind is impressive, but also like one of the biggest barriers to constant joy and happiness, at least experientially it has been um, because we have that constant ticking. It's like, it's always anticipating the next moment. That's like what the mind is meant to do. Um, And then you have the dog, which my dog is just lying over there. And she just like, it doesn't matter. Always in the present, like, just rolling around in joy, there's not no worries, just sniffing, no concepts, yeah. just, uh, yeah, I think you can learn a lot from the dog, learn a lot. From
1: Absolutely, the dog. I've got a 11-year-old Labrador, and man, the life lessons that I've gotten out of him, <laughs> he's my ultimate teacher, to be honest, I think, you know, throughout my journey in life, like, having him there by my side has just been, it's been the most incredible thing, because he is so present, you know, whenever you're feeling down, your dog's like, Hey, pick up the ball. Let's play. Let's have, (laughs) let's have a good time. And yeah, like how can a dog be so excited to receive the same kibble today as he (laughs) received yesterday and he's received every other day (laughs) in his entire life. But yet, you know, when it, like my dog, he's like, he has the perfect sense of time when 5 PM comes and it's dinner time, he's up, he's antsy, he's barking, he's bouncing. And it's like, you know, you put that kibble in the bowl and he's had this, I don't know, 4,000 times, but, oh man, I'm so excited. <laughs> it's kibble, it's dinner. It's just, yeah, we can, you're right. You're so right. We can learn so much from animals. They they really are an incredible reflection of how we should really live our lives. Mm. Present, yeah. happy, and excited about everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that yeah the total present present moment teacher right there um
1: absolutely i reckon you know just talking on the on the level of consciousness scale from david hawkins i reckon if i was to pick duke my dog i reckon he'd be he'd be an enlightenment and he'd be (laughs) he'd be up up between 800 and a thousand he's just (laughs) so zen so Uh, present just yeah the embodiment of peace joy and just yeah i don't know most incredible energy and i'd imagine your dog's the same
0: yeah yeah What's well, it's interesting you can calibrate i mean for those that don't know man gotta explain the map of consciousness <laughs> map of consciousness i i had the, there was an explanation in the last episode which i really liked i'm just gonna to stick to that one it's just a uh a map of all vibes of all vibes mm. from the very lowest vibe like uh just above death where you're like basically you i mean i think this is a really cool explanation where you're like there's just no longer that will to live it's passive suicide the worst vibes right and then at the very top you have like the best vibes the vibes that you can feel on mushrooms or (laughs) any uh higher state higher in the sense that it's just higher than the normal normalized Mm -hmm. state but anyway, that's sort of like enlightenment and those mystical realms. Even beyond the shrooms, people, there are realms beyond the shrooms. <laughs>
1: oh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Well, so yeah. And then love is that very high up mm. vibe. And you can calibrate dogs and dogs' tails. Have you heard this one? Dogs' tails? No. Tails. When dogs wag their tail, that calibrates it at Love, 500. For some oh, wow. reason, there's some strange evolutionary thing where it's like, I mean, I don't know how it works, but somehow dogs and cats, they both calibrate at 500. A kitty's purr calibrates at 500, mm. which is love. And a yeah. dog's wagging tail calibrates at 500, which is love. I mean, you can see it. I was actually just looking at my dog yesterday. And, you know, dogs love everyone, no matter what. <laughs> yeah. They just go up to you. You can, like, feel it as well. They just go up to you. They wag your tail. They just love, They're, you know, some dogs might want something from you, like to throw a ball and mm. give them some food but generally like that's that's fine like they just love it's incredible i think i was mm. like wow i yeah that's that's a thing thanks bonnie that's her name bonnie I'm teaching yeah. that one <laughs> <It's> loving <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: that's amazing like and to just hear that i mean i've definitely heard that you know when dogs look at their humans they really just feel unconditional love towards them. that's sort of the the chemical reaction that's elicited in their brain but wagging of the tail being the vibration of love makes so much sense because no matter what's going on in your life, if you do have an animal and your cat's purring or your dog's wagging its tail, it just immediately transmutes whatever you're feeling mm. and you do just feel happier and, and you want to cuddle them and you want to give them a good old scratch around the ears or whatever it might be. But yeah, that's incredible. And, and animals, I think are just such incredible teachers to us. Like I really do believe that they hear hold a higher vibration for us because you know a lot of us we're going through our own stuff, we're going through different vibes. we're going through different experiences, some of them high, some of them low. but having animals here I think at like a this is going to get like really sort of out there but at a planetary level I think it holds the vibration up because they are just so present, so joyful and just so in the moment with all those those good feeling vibes. So, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. Everything. Def- everything. I mean, it's kind of pretty. Uh, everything contributes to the whole. So. Yeah. It's like you know you're going on your crazy day work day and then your your little puppies at home just being like reminding you of the important stuff and it's really cool. It's just like love breeds more love when you see everyone. It's <laughs> it's socially acceptable. One of the places where love is socially acceptable is like dogs and mm. walking walking outside where everyone it's totally okay to be like an idiot and speak to your dog, like in the cute voice. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> fine with that. It's not even like, Oh, okay. I just got a dog. So that's really cool. <laughs>
1: yeah well i'll tell you what i've, I've definitely got a bias. i don't trust people who don't like dogs <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know when you're driving i'll be driving down the road and duke's sitting in the back seat and he's sitting up like a human head out the window tongue wagging out if i pull up next to someone and they look at him and they're like just you know sometimes there's been the odd person who's just like scrounged their face and i'm just like Oh, don't trust you. How can you not love a dog? Whenever I see a dog, just like head out the window, tongue in the wind, it's just the happiest thing. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Mm. Actually, talking about dogs and I guess learning and feeling and your own experience. So if for your listeners, I don't know how many of them are familiar with the law of attraction, but from an energy perspective, we live in a an attraction-based universe where like attracts like. So whatever we are thinking about, feeling, imagining. You know, the vibration, the vibes that we're giving off is what we attract to ourselves. And how I'm going to sort of bring that in with dogs is when I, was, when I was 18, I started reading all of the Law of Attraction books and they were really life-changing for me. But one of the things I was trying to do was I was trying to rewrite my brain patterns, trying to rewrite the bias of my brain looking at things negatively to start to look at things positively. And so that was, you know, constant repatterning of my thoughts, picking up on every time I was thinking something negative and then trying to shift it or pivot it to a positive. And the one thing that I used to do that was this memory that I held in mind of me and Duke at the park. So I'd be throwing the ball and he'd be having the best time and I'd be having the best time. And that was such a happy memory for me. And so I guess here's a practicality thing with how someone can actually use this is when you land up having those I guess, negatively focused thoughts, and your mind just runs off with them. And, and we really can do this, right? We can take something so small, and then start thinking about it in a negative aspect. And before we know it, five minutes down the track, we've just created this incredible scenario of our mind of how the whole world's ending. Um, but it's not actually. And so when you catch yourself with those thoughts, sometimes it can be really hard to shift to a more positive feeling or a better thought. And What I did with that was I used that memory of Duke as like my pivot or my anchor. So whenever I was feeling something negative or thinking something negative, if I couldn't manage to see the positive aspect of that situation, I'd just stop thinking about it. And I'd shift to thinking about being at the park of Duke. And then immediately I'd feel happier, lighter. And that then made it easier for me to find a better feeling thought. Mm. And so then to actually start to change Like by law of attraction, start to change my vibes because I'd be feeling down, angry, frustrated at something going on at work or something going on in my personal life. And then I'd just be like, I can't see the positive in this. There is no positive. And then I'd be like, okay, think about you. Think about you. Think about you. It's like, oh yeah, playing with the ball, throwing the ball. He's, you know, he's panting. He's having a great time. Cool. I feel better. I feel better. That's good. Life's not so bad. Yeah. (laughs) And it just really helped me to shift, you know? So having a positive memory as as that shifting point, I think, for people who are, are really struggling with hard thoughts or, yeah, I don't like the word <coughs> negative because I don't think that anything is either positive or negative. I think everything really just is a experience mm. and that experience really just provides us with contrast, the wanted and unwanted. So I experienced something that I didn't like and in that moment I realized, well, I didn't like that. So then it makes me clear on what I do like Hmm. But it's neither negative or positive. So, yeah, there's a practicality tip right there.
0: Yeah, well, that's a cool practical one. I think hopefully most people have like a positive uh memory that they can use as an anchor. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah I a-
1: mean, it could be anything, right? Like, no matter how tough life has been, there's got to be some good feeling memory. And whether that's just like a feeling of, enjoying your favorite meal or you know i don't know just a good nap or everybody will have one thing at least that can be positive and the more mm. we focus on it the more we'll get
0: yeah well i guess something well something i like to do is to just be like actually recognize uh that i'm like aware and mm. then i that's it nothing on top of that because that's and then because when there's, when the recognition truly comes, it's just like pretty immense. It's like, Oh, well, I'm aware. And then what follows mm. is like, well, I didn't make myself aware. I didn't ask for this. I just am. Mm. <laughs> and then there's, yeah. there's just an immediate gratitude because obviously the best word for it is uh, like this is this sense of being cre- creation, having been mm. created because I didn't create myself. Mm. I didn't ask. I can't, if i did i could just turn off my awareness i don't know if yeah. anyone else, if and anyone you can't no i don't know if anyone's tried that it's very hard even in sleep you know people might say but sleep you're still aware even when you're not dreaming you're aware that you're not dreaming and then you mm. wake up so i think bringing back to that really simple uh, for me when i bring myself back to the most simple aspect of human the human condition and finding joy in that then that allows me to always be to have that element of constant joy because it's always reliable. Mm. I will always be aware. And so Mm. I can always just bring myself back. Oh wait, I'm aware. Oh yes. Isn't this wonderful?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that's like, um, you know, the one of the most powerful lines from the Bible I am that I am Mm. there's nothing else to it. I just am. Yep. I exist. (laughs) I'm conscious and that's it. Yep. Yeah, wow, that that's really powerful. I think just sitting in that space of just pure awareness, no expectation, just I am.
0: Hmm. If all fails, just drop back to that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a good one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever uh read Molecules of Emotion by Dr. Candace Pert?
0: No, I haven't. What's that? Sounds cool. It's a really
1: really interesting book and basically she's she's done all the science behind why we feel our feelings the way that we feel them. Mm. And she found some incredibly interesting things. And so basically when we think a thought that thought elicits a release of neuropeptides from our brain. So those neuropeptides are just little chemicals that run through our body and they rush over to our cells. And the chemical construct of those is what decides on what that feeling is. So that little neuropeptide runs over to your cell and it knocks on the cell and it's like, Hey cell, you know, a happiness here can i come in and happiness is like oh yeah all right cool i'll let you in and so it lets it in and then that creates that feeling of happiness within us and similarly you know if you were to feel sadness it would be the same thing what she found which was incredibly interesting was that we're not this brain dominated human that we think we are and that actually those neuropeptides aren't just made in our brain they're also made in our gut and in our immune system and so simultaneously in all three of those systems these things are released based on the thoughts that we're thinking and we really can control that but to take that like even further was that our cells become biased to the neuropeptides that we release so if you think of the neuropeptide as like a key and the cell has a lock on it mm. so let's say happiness comes along and happiness gets there and it's like hey it's happiness here and this cell's like okay cool happiness like you know just put the happiness key into the lock, unlock the lock and come in. And so then happiness goes in and the cells are all happy. But then the cell goes, well, happiness is showing up quite a lot. And sometimes there's two or three happinesses waiting in a queue, don't really want to make them wait. So we'll create more locks. And Mm. it creates more locks that fit that key. And so the cells actually start to change and enable themselves to feel that emotion more readily. And it can go either way, right? So if we constantly thinking, positive thoughts, finding really good feeling things, we actually change the chemical construct and makeup of our cellular being to be accepting of those really good feelings and to accept more at one time. And then obviously then when we feel a bad feeling or a negative feeling or a, you know, a different feeling, if Mm. that cell doesn't have as many keyholes for those keys, then it's a lot harder for that feeling to feel overwhelming and that cell construct is very different and so it's kind of like how you know when you get in a really down state the longer that you're in that state just the worse it feels and the more you feel it and the more yeah. the thoughts that follow just are those things and that's almost just because that chemical level was is what's at play and i found her book really interesting because you know there is all this talk about energy and a lot of it is just things that science hasn't actually caught up yet to measure. I mean, quantum physics has been around for a hundred years, but we're only really starting to hear about it now. We're only really starting mm. to hear about energy in the quantum realm and potentiality and, and all of that. But typical science just hasn't really proven that stuff. Whereas what was amazing about her book was just proving that, proving those molecules of emotion and how that affects us. Mm. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot. Well, for me, when I listen to those things, what I hear is like the mechanism of action of all of it. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know what, what's going on, you know, I have no idea what's going on, but sometimes I can hear something and kind of tie it to an experience and be like, wow, that actually, that you know, that makes sense. So for example, mm. like <clears throat> when I'm like love breeds more love, the more loving yeah. I am, the more <laughs> loving the world is, the more loving I am, the more loving the world is. It's like the constant yeah. cycle it's really cool and but yeah the same goes to the the thoughts you know if you start thinking getting engaged in a negative thought pattern then it's it kind of builds itself up yeah until it's just like let go completely (laughs) but Yeah, yeah absolutely listening to that the mechanism of of that those vibes yeah and
1: that's really just for like you know I I see everything from an energy perspective and I absolutely believe that everything is energy. But if you're scientifically minded, well, there's the science that shows that that same mechanism mm. is kind of doing the same thing. You know, like for me, it's I talk about feelings. Someone else might talk about chemicals, but they're doing the same thing. They're and all like the same saying, thing.
0: Yeah, they're the exact yeah. same thing, just different words.
1: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, and like you're saying, love breeds love. So the more that you have the chemicals of love released, the more you're going to feel love. And by law of attraction, the more that you give off the energy of love, the more that you attract those loving experiences to you. So those two things really just, yeah, they're just, they're different perspectives on the same thing. One's science, one's, I guess, I don't know. Also science in some aspects, but just feeling more, (coughs) yes.
0: Well, yeah, that's that's an interesting, you know what? I remember hearing something about like uh, an argument or question of whether love is just a chemical. Mm -hmm. I think the important question is, like, why does it, it, it's looking at it through this dualistic lens, whereas it should be looked at, I mean, a more helpful way to look at it is, like, it's happening simultaneously. So, love Mm -hmm. is occurring at the same time these chemicals are released. You can't separate the two. It's not like this is causing that. It's happening at the same time. So, you're trying Mm -hmm. to be, like, love is caused by chemicals. It's It's just a release of chemicals. But I think a more accurate way that I've come to realize is to just say, love, uh, support. At the same time you feel love, these chemicals are released. I think is a more accurate way and to try to start to um, leave that framework of causality of this causing that because then you can start to see. I mean, in the energy space, it's all happening at the same time. I think the best way to in terms of energy and practical and experiential one, one of the most beautiful things for me is when you watch birds fly. So -hmm. when you watch like a flock, when I'm passing a flock of birds or like they're on the ground and they fly off altogether and you just see that there, there's no, no one's following anyone, but they fly off perfectly in the most magnificent pattern. And you see them flying in the sky. There's no, there's no leader. There's not, there's no, they're not following each other. Same thing with like the school of fish. They're swimming yeah. way too fast, <clears throat> not following anyone. And all Absolutely. that is, is, um, oh, this really, Hawking's talked about it really well. Mention mentioned Hawking's a lot in this uh, podcast. Yeah. Sorry, this is going <laughs> to maybe get into some Hawking's, but uh, about attractor fields, which is just energy. And yeah, they just follow these invisible patterns. Mm-hmm. But it's obvious that there is an intelligence an energy to it but it's not based on causal it's not based on this causing that and i think that's where a lot of for me uh experientially a lot of problems arose was trying to mix two paradigms trying to mix the newtonian with the but there's like they're just different paradigms it's really hard to grasp your head around it until you recognize it and notice it
1: and i i think you know i think we're still we're still discovering so many things as, as the human race and there's so far that we've got to go. But what I've come to understand is that everything is energy and it starts with energy, it ends with energy. And, you know, so, the, so the scientific stuff like the causality that you're talking about, it's really just our way of explaining the physical, but beyond the physical, you know, when you, when you go down to the lowest level of a cell, there's just infinite potential space infinite potential energy there's like not so much physical stuff and so it is all happening simultaneously and it's you're right it's not neither it's not that love causes us a thought of love causes us to have the chemicals which causes us to feel that it's just like they are all simultaneously happening and beautifully <laughs> intertwined in this incredible dance of yeah
0: just I, I don't the- think
1: our human minds can
0: understand that i was about to say that i was about to say listeners if this is sounding like weird that's because it is it's incomprehensible yeah. to the mind it can only absolutely. you can only i think the best most accurate way experientially is it can only be recognized you can't think your way into it there's not like a framework yeah. of thinking that will allow you to know it's like you just have to recognize recognize it and kind yeah. of and that comes for me that came from like absolutely breaking the old thought ways of understanding the world and like completely losing like okay i don't mm. get anything i don't know anything that's it yeah <laughs> i was pushed to the edge i left all right work so what's now
1: <laughs> and there's so much power in letting go of needing to understand
0: mm.
1: right like you know when you when you flick the light switch do you understand exactly how that electricity gets your house and makes the bulb work you don't but you know that turning it one way turns it on and turning the other way turns it off so how much of the intricacies do we really have to understand as long as we know how to get the outcome we want
0: hmm yeah that's true understanding builds societies but it also it can be one of those blocks as well it's like one of those things yeah. not bad or good it's just depends on what you want, what yeah. you
1: want yeah. and and our brains have got so far to go and i think you know just because we don't understand something doesn't mean it's not real i remember hearing a story about like when you know backing I don't know, would it be in the 1800s when all of the explorers were sort of exploring the world and landing on different continents. And I remember hearing about a story, I don't actually know if this is true, but it really resonates with me, of like a shaman from one of the tribes just standing at the beach and noticing that the waves were breaking on the beach in a different pattern, that something was strange about it. And he would go back every day for a couple of days and he kept looking at this and kept looking and kept looking and wanting to understand But when he looked out to sea, he didn't see anything. And then after a few days, he actually saw this ship there in the waters that was causing this disturbance. But because they had never seen a ship before conceptually to their brain, they didn't just see it because it wasn't something they could understand. And so only after some time of just being, just like you say, just pure awareness of just sitting there, did that conceptualize for him? and i think i think that's definitely the case with us is there's probably so much that we don't see we don't understand but it doesn't mean that it's not there. Mm.
0: yeah well that's an obvious one. <laughs> yeah that's an obvious one. it's actually so egotistical if you actually removing judgement like egotism in the sense of like i know um, yeah. to think like that the that there is only what you know and correct but it's—I it, think for me—it was about making that conscious, because people mm. might be, like, oh, you know, I'm sure this stuff I don't know, but uh, subconsciously you don't really know what's going on. You might have those those beliefs that you, you reckon you know everything, uh, <laughs> yeah. and that's yeah, yeah. That really leaves a lot of the mystery out, and the mystery is where all the fun is, is where all the joy is.
1: Yeah, there's so much joy in just like you say, just being. Like, if you look at dogs, I mean, do you think your dog's sitting there thinking to himself, I wonder how this ball travels through the air? What makes it bounce? (laughs) He's just like, who cares? The ball's traveling, it's bouncing, and I love chasing it. This is amazing. I don't care how it gets there. Yeah. (laughs) You know, how does my food magically appear in my plate every day?
0: Yeah. Who who cares? It just magically (laughs) does. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly there's there's so much joy in just letting go of those things
0: yeah amazing Mm, the balance between the human world and the dog world you could say you know you know maybe in your work you you need to like explain stuff and solve problems with the rational mind and that's totally awesome you know that's what it's made for but then come home and you can just be a bit more like the dog and just be like oh you know who cares whatever's going on i'm pretty happy here (laughs) I should be yeah. happy anywhere. Yeah. It's that balance. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah, man. Beautiful stuff. I mean, animals are just, yeah, my favorite. I love animals and I love people. And so that was why, like, obviously with the emotion code work, working with people to help them release their stuff. But I'm also an animal acupuncturist and I do animal acupuncture because I believe that they are there to support us. And so they need
0: that same support mm. to feel good yeah oh i think that's like one thing that everyone can relate to like i'm sure everyone can i mean i haven't met anyone that can't you know for me one of the saddest movies there are i mean always experientially with the dog movies yeah. i mean if people in movies died i was i didn't care but if a dog so much is like almost got you know when they like almost get run over i'm like no that yeah see animal suffering seems to just really bring people together <laughs> to that commonality.
1: Uh, I am exactly the same. And like, yeah, like you say, you see people dying all the time in movies and we're almost like so desensitized to it, but then something happens to the, to the animal. I'm like, that's it. I'm never watching this again. <laughs> I remember like before anyone who hasn't seen it, sorry, spoiler alert, but Game of Thrones, I don't know what season it was, but it was, <laughs> it was the time that I stopped watching Game of Thrones and there was have you watched game of thrones yeah 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 so there was that whole like red wedding thing yeah I and, that's what you were and then and then they killed the, they killed yeah, the wolves yeah. and i was like that's it i'm done <laughs> and i never i never watched game of thrones again hey eh? <laughs> oh, well, i was like i was totally okay with it actually i did find that whole scene was just it was just too intense and too gruesome for me so i just i sort of but but it was the dogs the, dogs <laughs> were the final straw <laughs>
0: at the end of that i was just like no chance yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well I think one of the saddest movies I watched is Twelve Below. Have you heard of that one? Uh is that the one with um Paul Walker? I don't remember Who was which it? actor. Who's, that? Who's the
1: guy from um from Fast and the Furious? Was it him that was in there? Where he's got those twelve huskies and he has yeah. to leave Antarctica yeah, that one. That, that one. Yeah.
0: Oh well, that's a that's a heartbreaking one. Was that eight below? Oh, eight below, maybe. Yeah, there was a number in there, and there's a word below. I'm fairly sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, but that movie, I mean, it's just uh I think it's the, it's like the, it's you, you just instantly recognize the innocence of the dogs, like, or yeah. you, you recognize innocence through the dog so easily. That's right. You just yeah. see it. But then it's hard to recognize the innocence of the human, isn't it? Even though it's there, that's been my journey to recognize my own innocence as the same as the dog and same with every mm. human. We're just the same dog. And I- we are absolutely the same. And I
1: think something that's really important, I actually put a post out about this yesterday in recognizing that innocence in other people is just realizing that everybody's on their own journey and they're at their own place and it's right for them. And that's okay. You know, sometimes I think we can look at like, you know, I don't know I, I've definitely seen it with like when we go on our journeys to self-discovery and we, we find these things that are making us feel so much better and then we start yep. to look at the people around us that aren't feeling better and we just want to tell them about it and we want them mm. to take it on board and we want them to feel better because we obviously want the best for them but it's important to realize that those people are on their own journey and they'll mm. come about those things in their own time or well, they may never come about those things but that's okay because yeah. that's their experience like they're choosing that experience at some level at that consciousness level right that level of like I am but I can't turn this off that you know, somehow they're choosing that but I think when we can see that then we can start to see the innocence in people because we can realize like you say with the awareness that we are not our experiences hmm. we're responding to them but take an experience away and you still are you still exist You're still consciousness and so that's, I think that's where
0: the innocence is.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Well, for me, it's the, uh, like the Socrates, everyone's just doing the best that they can, with what they got. And it's Absolutely. super easy to recognize that with just a little bit of honesty and retrospect. And you just look at your life and you'd be like, okay, well, every mistake I've made, if I knew it was a mistake at the time, I wouldn't have made it obviously obviously (laughs) so it's exactly the same with everyone else and then you just kind of recognize that the human condition is uh just about learning from mistakes that's what wisdom is and and then seeing guilt this one's a really this was a powerful one seeing guilt as a non-reality so guilt it i noticed that um i mean i heard it first and then i began to notice it it only arose when things were taken out of context and it really was based on nothing but like ideas of how things should be how they could be but not how they were so it's not based on anything but all these ideas and uh, yeah that simple one that you just did everyone's doing the best they can what they got I do the best I can what I got you do the best you can what you got and if you knew any better you would do any better so just do what you think is best learn and move on (laughs) And Absolutely, that really helps helped completely eliminate guilt. Yeah. Um, yeah, and
1: and like with guilt, I mean, it's a it's a really hard thing to feel, right? It can it's it's a horrible feeling. But like you're saying, you know, it is external to you, and we only ever really feel guilty when we think about things in the context of well, what are people going to think when they find out this, or you know, it's that external. When we we're, we're already imagining the the response of other people to the thing that we're currently thinking about Mm. and that's what guilt is but if we if we stop having that external viewpoint and looking in on ourselves from someone else's eyes which we can't ever accurately do anyway we can't predict how someone else will react or feel or
0: see us then
1: the guilt goes away
0: Mm. and then there's also who cares (laughs) but if you actually you could actually there's a cool one where you could you ask who cares, and you follow that investigation and you see, you find what is it that cares? What is it? Mm. And you separate that from the pure awareness that is just purely aware. What is it that actually cares? And then you can investigate and find some cool stuff. Yeah.
1: And what would you say it is that cares?
0: Uh, well, it's that uh, the most accurate way I would describe it is it's like the tendencies that we are programmed with via our own innocence Mm -hmm. so we are that innocence and then all these things on top of it are just those programs that we've been programmed with yeah collectively
1: i'd say like it's an element of the ego yeah because the the ego is what really cares what people think about us how people feel about us where the most important thing is how we think and feel about ourselves
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm.
0: Definitely. Well, to me, the programming is, I just know that there's a, there's a, everyone's going to have their own different uh, way of interpreting ego. Mm. So just to, yeah. Cause the ego is for me, this, the programming, it is everything, everything that we are not in a sense, like that's what it is. Everything that we have been programmed with, um, whether evolutionary speaking or just social programming and then the not ego is the or like the real self is the witness of it all the, the like or even another cool way of saying it is like that pure quality of innocence within everyone that remains untainted no matter what so that mm-hmm. there's that there's that pure if if you can believe that there's I mean, if you can recognize the innocence in like a terrorist who blows up a bus full of children, then you can recognize it within yourself, and then you can mm. start to see the innocence of everything. Mm. Like, it's it's not. I, I try to separate it from a belief because I don't think it's not. You can believe it if you want to, but that hasn't have any anything to do with the truth. You can just recognize it. You can recognize yeah. that the even the worst of criminals or people who do atrocious acts are really just doing it out of that same innocence that we have and when we try to like when we separate ourselves from them and put that label that they're like evil what we're actually doing is doing we're separating ourselves from that quality of innocence that's all we're doing so Mm. that that's how i found i mean i can pretty much laugh at anything so far i mean i don't know we'll see what happens in the future but (laughs) so far i can pretty much laugh at anything because it's just so easy to see the innocence behind it all it's like you just it's not a thought it's not like oh okay let's apply this framework of thinking to this situation it's just an instant recognition of innocence be like, cool okay that's all right that's it i mean I,
1: th- I think arriving at that place is a is a beautiful place to be at because yeah you can just see everybody for that innocence, regardless of what they're doing or what their experience is, no matter how terrible those things might be. But I'm going to ask you a question here. I'm going to cool. switch the roles on you. I'm going yeah, to be the interviewer. <laughs> like for your listeners, right? So that concept is really hard for a lot of people to to gra- to grasp. To just be able to look at someone, like you say, a terrorist, a bus full of people and see the innocence in them. So for a lot of people, it's like, how do you even do that? You know, it's great if you can. And if that makes you feel better, then that's incredible. But what would you say would be a really good piece of advice on how someone could find that innocence in that person who's done something that is so against every moral judgment or value that they have?
0: I mean, to answer it, it's just to ask, to just ask to see it. I think it's so simple. You just recognize how things are right now. So however you see it right now, you just recognize it. Okay, I'm just seeing it this way. And then you just ask God to see it differently. That's all. (laughs) And you leave it up to him at the end of the day. So that's what letting go is for me. It's you recognize how things are right now. And then you ask to see it differently. And through humility, you let go of your position about it, your opinion about it, your perception about it and you let you let god do the work you let divinity come in and transform it that's what revelation is right it's when your perception is transformed so it's not like you can't force yourself to see things differently that will lead to suffering you just you kind of it's like a you just let it happen and then it just happens of its own when the conditions are appropriate so Mm -hmm. i think it's really simple you just recognize how you see the world right now so recognize your perception, beliefs about it, and then have the humility to drop it all in the name of something higher than yourself. You could call it truth, divinity, God, whatever that is, and then humbly ask that power to reveal to you the truth and see what happens. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. You just gotta be yeah, willing that's awesome. to have, I mean, some you gotta be willing to have everything you believe might turn out to be false <laughs> at some point yeah at some point that does that's sound a challenging for yeah 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 it's I, a challenge Yeah, it's quite a challenge but it's, it's definitely worth it it's definitely worth it. I, I really
1: like your perspective um i just i think for some people it's going to be hard like oh, hard. Mm. i i i mean i've been i've been working on this stuff for for yeah A very large chunk of my life and I think I can definitely arrive at that same place that you're talking about where I can just surrender to not knowing or to knowing and just actually let go of all of my perceptions about something. But something that's helped me a lot is to ask myself, can I look at the situation with compassion?
0: Oh, that's
1: cool. Compassion, understanding. You know, when I look at someone who's doing something that I may not necessarily agree with, first, I release the fact that there is no right and wrong. And my perception is just my perception. And there's probably people on the other end who think that it is right. Right. Well, I mean, they must do because they're doing what they're doing. But I also then ask myself, how do I look at this person with compassion and understanding that Mm. them arriving at this point in their life has been a culmination of events, experiences, emotions, and we don't know what they've gone through. That's led them to this point. And so the, I've found for me, the best thing that we can do is just give them compassion.
0: Mm. Well, I think, and I see this, no, you can, you finish
1: (laughs) a Royal standoff. You go. No, you go. No, you go. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think, and I've seen this a lot with, with the emotion code, like just how our past experiences and the emotions that we've had, they create kind of how we respond to our world now. And it's like our subconscious mind, it has, A tendency to pick the things that it knows, whether they're good or bad,
0: Mm.
1: it just picks those things that it that are that's known because those things are safe. And so, even if the experience that you're stepping into right now is horrible or terrifying or hurtful or whatever Mm. it is, your subconscious tends to pick that because it's the known quantity rather than the unknown. And if I can look at people who're doing things that I may not agree with, and see them in that light with compassion and going for whatever reason and through whatever experiences they've had, they've landed up here. I can look at them with love because I can look at them with understanding and go, I understand that something has led you to this point. What is. It doesn't matter, but you're here and that's okay. And like, then, then I can send them unconditional love and just be like, no matter what, like I love you because we're all part of the same, same beautiful, energy right god like energy
0: Mm. yeah Mm. that's a beautiful one i think that's that's another key like to making it you just you seek to understand and that's all um Mm. i think that's something that helps if you just see everything you kind of have the axiom or the assumption that everything is perfect and well obviously it is okay let's just make that clear obviously it is otherwise it wouldn't be the way it is (laughs) if you know you could replace perfection with the laws of nature. Like everything just follows the laws of nature and Mm -hmm. those laws are the laws that govern the universe, everything as it is. So if something is as it is, it has followed the laws of nature to be at the point it is. And so your job as a, as a student of truth, if that's what you seek is not to condemn it, um, but to uh, understand it. So you just understand how things came to that point. And that's like the same thing with other people. You're like, okay, so that person did something that I seem to perceive as pretty bad, but well, hang on, how did they, why did they do that? Because if you then carry the same, the axiom that everyone, um, you can use logic, you can use logic to make it really easy as well. You can just have the axiom that everyone does the best that they can with what they got. So if you completely trust that and you apply that to the situation, um, then you can start to, you position yourself in a compassionate way. You don't have to think about it. You just position yourself with compassion automatically. And then, like you said, it's like, well, this way, no matter what you did, no matter what has been done, it doesn't matter because you don't know, you don't know any better. (laughs) And you, we are all governed by the same laws, the same nature. uh, Yeah. And is, and just ask to understand it. Yes. Like I pray for understanding all the time. I think another way to, put praise like intention it's like you you position yourself in a certain way it's like uh it's like an analogy might be like digging out like sand digging out a canal mm-hmm. out of like i don't know there's like a sand pit you're digging it away so now it's clear and then you're letting something else come and take its place and it's mm. like another way of i guess putting it yeah you're yeah, creating
1: space cool. within yourself to let that understanding or whatever it is, universal knowledge or superconscious,
0: conscious. Ooh, super yeah. Whichever like, word. Yeah. Just, yeah.
1: just, just fill in whatever it could be for you. Right. Yeah. The, the voice of God, the knowledge, source, truth, whatever it is, but mm. yeah, you've got to have the space for it to come in. If you've got a head full of ideas yeah. and it's chock <laughs> full of ideas, mm. you don't really have any space for anything else to come in. do you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's another way. I think a cool way of looking at it is like holding space for a new understanding, mm. you can like, well, how do I understand things right now? And just like, just, just rap, just all you need is speaking of the map of consciousness to go up above, um, into the good vibes, into the good vibes. Mm. All you have to do is start with integrity. So all you have to do is just be honest and be like, well, what are the current ideas I have and how, what is the behavioral output? How am I seeing the world? And do I like this? Is this what I want? <laughs> And then if it's not, you're not expected to know the answers because if you knew the answers, you would already be somewhere else. You know? There'd be no learning
1: if you knew the answers.
0: Well, that as well. Someone said something really good uh, in the last podcast episode. (laughs) She said, "Ah, I'm going to misquote it a bit. I don't remember it exactly, but you were created the way you were to be who you are. I think it's Mm -hmm. just so simple. So yeah, that's it. There's like nothing else to it. (laughs) just
1: and you can't even you can't even question that right it's just it is just like you say so simple you were created the way you are to be the created the way you were to be who you are
0: yeah yeah that's it (laughs) like
1: but why who cares why that's how it was and that's how you are like (laughs) you are where you are
0: yeah (laughs) yeah i think that's a that's a good one holds space it, it, you know you said that it, it, it's hard can you hear my dog <laughs> Bonnie? Mm-hmm. okay um you you say it could be a bit difficult and a bit hard and you know that's definitely true experientially it 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 definitely can and it's not mm-hmm. not to take away from that but then the simple question of like what do you want you know and just embracing a bit of discomfort and you know it's like, there's, it's, there's an option to just embrace the discomfort. <laughs> just, yeah. There is an option. There is just that option to just be with the discomfort. Let it be and trust. I guess trust in, to some degree that it'll pass. It'll pass away. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> money.
1: <laughs> She's like... Did you say quiet or did you say food? I'm pretty sure you said food. I'm sure that's where she's going with this. She's like, yeah. <laughs> just giving you, giving you a moan. Hey, Nick, it's, it's almost. Oh, does she have lunch?
0: Does she get lunch? Midday lunch? Oh no, she doesn't get lunch. She eats dinner. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We, uh,
1: we just adopted a kitten, and it's been quite interesting because my Labrador he gets fed morning and night, but the kitten gets fed three times a day. So. It's like when lunchtime comes around, you can see that look on his face where he's like, where's mine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, why, why does this new, why does this new cat in the house, why does she get fed three times and only get fed
0: twice? Mm. That's not fair. I mean, the difference between cats and dogs is quite interesting, isn't it? But mm. I I found it cool that the cats, kitties uh, per calibrate is at 500, love. Mm. Um I started to look at cats differently <laughs> because before I was definitely a dog person. I didn't really vibe with cats, but then I started to see a different aspect of cats. Dogs are like excitable. They're just joyous. They're like the embodiment of joy and excitement. Whereas cats are probably like more the embodiment of like just chilled out. Don't give that. Like don't care about anything. Just like do whatever, <laughs> but like in a positive, <laughs> in a positive, <laughs> positive way, just feed me. And then, I'll give you a per... I think they're really funny. They just like sit there in the driveway. They don't even give you a second glance. You walk past them. Sometimes they they don't even look at you. They're just like... (laughs) They're so zen. So zen.
1: (laughs) I mean, that could be argued whether they're zen or or not. Like, um, I remember seeing this meme where it was like dogs, dog's thoughts and it's like ball, food, human, happy. And then it was like, Cat and it's like cat's log, day three hundred and sixty two of my enslavement of the humans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, a... What will I do today? <laughs> it almost makes me think of like thinking in the brain, eh? It's just like, how will I take over the world today?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh I don't know. Well, different or something. But that that was they're both
1: incredible though, right? Yeah. They just they are. Mm but very different experiences. Like for someone who's always had a dog, you know, it's dogs are trainable, you know, and, and they enjoy being trained. They enjoy the stimulus of sit down, roll, play, fetch, come back. Whereas a cat, like none of that happens. There's, there's no sitting down, no staying, no, you know, when you say off the table, they don't listen. Yeah. And <laughs> so it's very different, but they, they, yeah, they bring just such an incredible dimension of um, uncertainty. Yeah. That would be, That'd be good. That's challenging. Uncertainty. Cats? Yeah. 100%. What
0: uncertainty? Well, you never know what you're going to get. Oh, with a cat, right.
1: Yeah. It's (laughs) like you go go over to a dog and you're going to give them a pat. You know they're going to wag their tail, lift their head and enjoy the pat. You go over to a cat and either you're going to get to give them a pat and they're going to enjoy it or they might turn around, pounce on your hand, they might run away. Like it's... it's just, you know, right, right. It's, like a, it's like a lucky packet. Did you have lucky packets as a kid? You used to go down to the, um, in South Africa, they used to call them just like the corner shop here in New Zealand they call called dairies. But you were just going, you'd buy this, this little pack of sweets and there would always be a toy in it. And it's yeah, a lucky right. packet and you just, you never know what you're going to get.
0: Yeah. Kinder egg surprises. Those are those ones for me. Oh yeah. Kinder surprise eggs. Yeah.
1: You're a fair bit younger than me, aren't you?
0: Yeah, probably. I don't know. <laughs>
1: We used to get was just like a bag with like these I reckon they must have been made out of cardboard, like these chips that were just like puffed air. They were really not very tasty, coated in sugar, <laughs> and then like Sher you get Sherbet, like a little Sherbet stick and then a toy.
0: Ah. Uh, sherbet stick. You never know what you're gonna get. Sherbet stick. I mean I remember Sherbet. I remember Sherbet as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky pack, no. Kinder surprise eggs. That's that was that was definitely my one never never a cat person until i learned that they until i learned that their kick their purr was 500 that transformed them for me
1: <laughs> well, they say it's really healing a cat's purring mm. it is and weird. it is like when when they're on your lap and you're just giving them some scratches and they're just purring it's, it's a really good feeling
0: mm. Mm. and then what's another interesting one is you could train birds so there's some birds like uh david hawking has his parrot Uh, broccoli and he he trained that and he turned he he actually uh evolved it's by the training he met and he calibrated the consciousness and it changed and transformed and evolved and it was like at 400 (laughs) which is like the level of uh reason and the intellect Mm. for those who are listening it's pretty impressive yeah given that most humans calibrate like (laughs) the average
1: yeah so for for your listeners who don't know much about David Hawkins, like I've really enjoyed his book power versus force, which mm. talks all about the, I guess the differing levels of, of consciousness. So he uses the map of consciousness to, to map things, but it's really kind of about that. The feeling that you embody, isn't it? And whether that feeling requires like action to get the things you want done or whether you you embody a higher feeling and then things just happen as a result. So it's like oh, less beautiful. less force taken and more of things just come because the power of the energy brings them to you.
0: Wow, that's an excellent way of putting it. Yeah. 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 It's like So you know, that's my
1: that's my favorite. what's what, yeah. uh, what's your favorite book from him?
0: Oh, Letting Go. <laughs> Letting I read Go. That yet. Letting Go is like is so power vs force introduces the the map of consciousness and Mm -hmm. those force-based or effort-based, that just came to mind, effort-based ways of getting what you want. And then moving into the effortless ways of Mm -hmm. getting anything, but you don't want it anymore. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) Um, Yeah, exactly. That's true. (laughs) Letting go is, uh, is the process of, moving from that effortful place to that effortless place. We don't care anyway. <laughs> mm. uh, so he introduces letting go like a uh, really, really well written, like incredibly well written really tells you how ha- the process of letting go, like what, of h- how to let go gives you lots of clinical examples. Um, Cause he was a psych- psychiatrist as well. So, mm. and it, it's pretty, it's actually quite like, like for me, it was quite impre- amazing when I first read it, because you see the, the results in his patients, his clients, are uh, quite astounding mm. from such a simple process that it, it it's really one of those things that can kick up and start to start that quest into the unknown be like, wait, how the hell is this possible? <laughs> Which is probably mm. what happened for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. What would, um, so, like talking about practicality tips, right? I always, at the end of podcasts that I listen to, I always like to get some good takeaways. And I definitely think for us in this podcast and, and hopefully for your listeners too, I mean, I've really enjoyed it. And then I guess that's, to me, that's what's really important. <laughs> but I hope some, some other um, people yeah, yeah. enjoy it as part of people listening. But what would you say is your, like if you were to give someone a book to read and you think that that book could really make a lot of change for them, Oh, this is a hard question. What would it be?
0: Oh, it's not. It's a very easy question. Letting Go. Letting Go is my ultimate go-to book. Uh, Transformed my life. It's like the only book I, it's like my manual, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it 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 can be applied whether wherever you are on your journey, wherever, like at the bottom of the, if you're at the very bottom struggling with everything and you're, mm-hmm. or if you're at the very, uh, on the higher end and now you're, you're still struggling. But you're just struggling in a different, actually it's probably less of a struggle but no matter where you are in your journey it can be it, it's the only thing that uh as he puts in the start of the book it's just like i don't remember exactly but it's like all the way to alignment you know whatever yeah. you want you don't have to go there but it can be applied for anything you want worldly success there you go letting go you just letting go <laughs> you want to be a millionaire letting go you want to experience love letting go so for me letting go is yours.
1: absolutely You know, and like I haven't read Letting Go, but for me with Law of Attraction, like on the others that in the Law of Attraction perspective, letting go is the most important thing. And in Law of Attraction, it's called the art of allowing. Right. And so it's like we're attracting things to us, but most of the time they're not arriving because we're just thinking about how come it's not here yet what will happen when it really arrives? Do I actually deserve it? And so all of those thought processes act as blockers. And so when you let go, when you truly let go, then you just let the universe do all the work for you. And then things just arrive because you've gotten out of your own way. Hmm. And yeah, so that, I mean, Hmm. letting go sounds amazing. I definitely need to read that. Or would you say your number two book? So I'm gonna gonna recommend two books as well that I think are really powerful for me. So number two.
0: Number two, number two is a different one. Number two is the Alchemist. I would say. Oh, beautiful book, man! That is incredible. <laughs> the Alchemist is di- it's different to Letting Go. It's not like a. It's just a really fun read, and it, it's really it was really inspiring for me to read that. It was really inspiring, and I think there's only two things the whole way up, wherever you want to go. There's only two things you need: insight and inspiration. That's it. Your, your soul loves that shit <laughs> yeah it, it's like inspirations like the fuel so it's really important and it, alchemist was really inspiring for me it's beautiful
1: i love the alchemist i actually i mean i've read it a couple of times and i reread it at the beginning of the year and just you know that concept of your own personal legend hmm. incredible like if you look at life from that lens and just be like i'm on my way to my own personal legend so for those of you who haven't read it i think read it so good (laughs) all right definitely i don't know i don't know what letting go is like i mean obviously the alchemist is like it's a it's a story but it's got so much hidden meaning and beautiful um messages in it so it's Mm. it's good and easy to read Mm. uh whereas like power versus force right i i don't think it's an easy read oh no it's it's not not. an easy read for anyone to just pick up but it is incredibly powerful Mm. all right and so books my two books all right my two books that i'd recommend which personally um the first one i'd say is the vortex by jerry and esther hicks so it's it's the teachings of abraham and it's all about the law of attraction and how that plays out in relationships i think relationships is so important because everything in our life is relationship whether that's you between colleague you between your partner you between family whatever it is between friends it's all about relationships and so that personally was life-changing for me that book and then the second book is mindset by Carol Dweck so if you have you heard of it read it nope what's that one so it's all it's all about fixed and growth mindsets and it's about how we can either have a fixed or a growth mindset but that our I guess our thinking or our conditioning has always been that the mindset we've got is what we've got. So if we're fixed, we're fixed. If we're growth, we're growth. But she shows in her book how we can change mm-hmm. and how a fixed mindset uh, would be basically you'll only attempt people with a fixed mindset, which can come about through social conditioning or schooling. And, and so that's what's really interesting about a book. But with a fixed mindset, you would only attempt something if you knew that you were going to be successful. Whereas the growth mindset, it's not about success. It's about the journey. And so when you can get into a growth mindset, even if you're not successful at the end, you know that there's so many learnings and so much enjoyment Mm. in the journey of getting to that point. And so you'd happily try it, even if you knew there was a possibility that you wouldn't succeed. And that, again, has been really powerful because it's just like recognizing where in life I have fixed mindsets or if I had one and changing it to a growth, recognizing people who have fixed mindsets versus growth. And it also helps you to understand the dynamic of how you deal with people who have the different mindset. You know, like Mm -hmm. with someone who has a growth mindset, you could easily just say, Hey, I need you to do this thing, and they just go, Yeah, no problem. But with someone with a fixed mindset, you need to obviously provide more detail around what is the thing that they're doing, what's the outcome that they should expect. And like it helps them in the decision making process. Right. Yeah. Elizabeth's yeah, no, really two powerful. books.
0: That's really powerful. Carol Dweck's
1: book's probably um, also a little bit like power versus force. Definitely mm. definitely not a, a bedtime story read.
0: <laughs> really, for anyone in like in intellectual realm interested in science, and that's really good because that puts you into the math of it. The I mean if you go out of it, David Hawking to me is, a, is like an authority. He's like an in- mm. a very, very integrous authority on in consciousness. Um, and he's very he like mastered the intellect before this. Oh what's that face? <laughs> um he I just knocked
1: my bottle on the table, made
0: a very loud uh, noise. Sorry. Oh, it's all right, I didn't hear it. Um but David Hawking's amazing thing about he mastered the intellect. You know, he was he had a PhD dissertation. Mm. Power Power versus Force, for example, was originally a PhD dissertation. Um, before it was brought mm. into the public. Uh so it, it went that that's why it's so hard to read. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is hard to read. Yeah, I have it as well. I didn't finish reading it actually. I think I lent it. I lent my Kindle before I ended up finish reading it. But it was. I flip
1: flop between the audio book and and the Kindle book because it's like sometimes it's just yeah hard going on the reading. But that said, it's it's brought me so much knowledge and understanding. Hmm. And actually, I have a really good example. Of um, a client that I was working with and I I told her to read power versus force and she was just like this is life-changing and and she was going into a new business endeavor and um, So I guess just to give some context for your listeners. So in power versus force David Hawkins he tests the levels of consciousness by using muscle testing on Thousands of subjects all over the world from all different walks of life age race um, mental state and everything and so After reading the book, my client said to me, she wanted to do a session just to ask questions about her business using muscle testing. (laughs) So just tapping into that that universal knowledge and rather than making decisions from a logic mind, just going like, should I do this? Should I do that? Yes, no. um, And calibrating some of those things and what was really difficult and was taking a lot of force, a lot of... A lot of effort, a lot of physical effort or um, hard work, just shifted, and things just all started to fall into place because because of asking those questions and aligning with the power rather than the force.
0: Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, that's amazing. It it's like I mean, gives you an access to ultimate truth, which is absolute truth. Being able to tell the answer of any question you have. So long as the question is integrous and you're integrous in your intentions, you can have the answer to anything you want. And that's simply because you're not integrous.
1: Except you can't tell the future. You can't predict lotto numbers or anything like that. (laughs) Something that already exists, right? That is present.
0: Yeah. Which makes sense because something that does not exist does not yet exist. So how can you tell?
1: (laughs) True. And asking for the lotto numbers would not be integrous, would it?
0: I don't know. I'm not sure oh sure yeah well
1: i mean if that did work then i'm pretty sure there'd be a lot of people who'd be winning the lottery so (laughs) maybe maybe
0: maybe i don't know hey nick that house that you live
1: in looks really flash
0: where'd you get all your money
1: (laughs) (laughs) did you you i'm saying did you win the lottery using muscle testing i'm just i'm just i'm just playing a joke (laughs) man
0: oh you something. were
1: like you're looking around for a minute going this is an awkward question what's going on
0: oh no i was just lost. <laughs> I was a, bit, a bit um yeah confused
1: <laughs> no nah, no i was just i was just yeah. teasing as if as if that was possible to actually do that but it's not
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. yes yeah, so you're trying to hog it up for yourself huh yeah 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 it's not and here i am sitting on the winning lottery numbers wouldn't <laughs> that be cool
1: yeah actually that's not i don't think there's never really a possibility like such such oh i mean there is but i prefer to create my reality rather than just hoping i guess
0: it's <laughs> pretty cool well yeah do you have so we'll finish up this with one this last segment which is like the simplest action you would have to the listeners to you know bring more joy into their life live life more joy from your experiential perspective
1: okay for me the simplest action is allow yourself to truly feel your feelings to sit and breathe through them until they change so you know we don't often feel our feelings the way we should and i think it's incredibly important and when we bottle those things up inside Doesn't ever really turn out well. And so it's like if you think of a a host pipe, as soon as you kink that host pipe, you know, things start backing up on the other end. So just let it flow, open it up, feel it, cry if you need to, jump around, laugh, scream, do whatever you need to do. But just really feel your emotions and breathe yourself towards that feeling of joy.
0: Beautiful. That's a nice, that's a really beautiful one. All right. Thank you so much, Kyle, for being on this podcast. That was really fun. Did you have fun?
1: Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you. I really enjoyed it.
0: And listeners, uh, like this podcast. No, wait, review it on whichever podcast station you listen to Follow the Facebook page or Instagram joyfulness broadcast. If you want to stay up to date with the latest releases and I'll see you guys next time.